And why is this game so important to Georgia? Well, you put so much into the game, you know? It's like, if you can't enjoy these moments, well, why do we do it? You know, if I can't embrace my family and hug them and love it and see the fans that stuck around for it, that's what it's all about to me. I mean, like, that's the, I had a coach a long time ago tell me, if you can't enjoy those moments, then, then why are you in the business? And the players, you know, they work hard, guys. They, they, they practice so many times a week for this one game. And, you know, I want them to enjoy it. I want them to see the emotion of it. It, do, it doesn't matter to me that it's Florida. It matters to me that it's our team and, and they won. Here, here's the deal. As you start slipping, right, the rope's slipping right now. You know, you, you go in a little rope pull, and it really pertains to everything. It pertains to individual games. At times, I think we play really well. The rope slips, and we kind of let a lot of it go. Uh, and against good teams, you can't do that. As the rope slips through your hands, you can just let it either drop it. That ain't the answer. That's not going to fix anything. Okay? You're going to feel that burn, and you cannot squeeze that tight because of the burn. And that's not going to fix anything. Or you just grab tight. You hold on, you dig your heels in, and you start pulling in the other direction. And I will say something about me. I don't drop the rope. I'm not going to let you even rip it out of my hands. You could drag me around by my face if you want, but I ain't going to let it squeeze it and let it go. I'm not going to let any inch of that rope go, and I know our players won't either. Just how much have you seen him grow from that point, the first game he's played in, to tonight whenever he's breaks the SEC record for a completion percentage over 30-plus attempts? Oh, he did, huh? Yeah. Well, good. That's what really good coaches do. They, they look at the personnel, and that's something that we've had to do as we learn this team early in the season. You know, where do we put the guys? What's the best fit? What's the best routes? What are the best things that, that we can do as a staff to put these guys in a, a situation they can be successful? And Coach Bobo has done a good job of that. You know, Tyler, uh, Tyler Bailey a little bit there. He went for 294 yards today. Um, um, yeah, I guess he did go 294. I mean, he's a great player. I've been saying it for a long time. He's probably the best player that nobody's talking about. You know, he's really the engine that drives us. He's a competitor and showed it tonight. Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Vols didn't lose. Why are you so down, brother? Oh, man. You know why? Because I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had four games to bet on and three of them lost, so I'm on fire, man. I'm going as a bookie this Halloween. <laughs> what are you going <laughs> Yeah, I'm going by. I'm going as a uh, lockbuster to be sure, Shane. Af- oh. After my one game streak, bet on them Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> that blew up in my face. If if the folks ain't fading us by now, I don't know what they're doing with their lives. You know what? Exactly. You know, there's a lot of rich people out there. <laughs> Some of our three, four year listeners, they're like, oh, I finally figured this game out. <laughs> Just do the opposite. So you will be profitable. Uh, but Mike, I, I'm, I joke. It was a it was a wild, exciting weekend. We had some real good action. So I, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Before we break down the game, Shane, it is Halloween, so want to wish uh, all the listeners and yourself a happy Halloween. And I don't know if you've seen it. I'll throw it up here on the YouTube. But we had Steve Spurrier, Shane, of course, was at the Florida-Georgia game. We'll break that down in uh-huh. just a second. But 
He went uh, dressed as a Duke coach because he didn't want people bugging him, apparently, during the tailgates. And then you remember that uh, viral, you know, one of these coaches, if they if they weren't SEC coaches, what would they be doing with their lives? Shane Beamer, his caption was a Chick-fil-A manager. And here we got Shane Beamer dressed as a Chick-fil-A manager for Halloween. So he's having some good fun on the bye while they're poking fun out of him. But uh, I just thought that was fantastic. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a fun little weekend, Mike. You know, I, I, even today we're recording this on Sunday, watching a lot of the NFL talent. Miles Garrett, you see him coming in with the – he had uh, his cape had the picture of all the quarterbacks he has killed. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it's – I just love it. In fact, we're, we're recording this a little early on Sunday because uh, I'm going to be taking mine out. Uh, doing a little trick or treating after this, Mike. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun weekend, and uh, I, I'm sure we're we're gonna have some excitement tonight too. Yeah, and speaking of that, Shane, so let's just get right into it. The fans that are most excited, them Georgia Bulldogs, Shane, because once mm-hmm. again, dominant. They've locked up the SEC East. They're the first team that has officially punched their ticket to Atlanta, and they did it by beating the Florida Gators 34 to seven. The score obviously lopsided, but, you know, for largely Mm -hmm. most of the first half, it looked like the Florida Gators were going to give them a game here. But uh, just that meltdown, the the final 2-16, the score was 3-0. Georgia was up a couple Florida turnovers, and then all of a sudden, Shane, I believe it was 24 to nothing, heading into halftime. And, you know, seven points may be too much to spot the Georgia Bulldogs, but uh, 24 Man, there was no hope for the Gators after that. It was basically a meltdown. And, you know, the the Gators got what they wanted. They wanted Anthony Richardson in the lineup. He started the game. He looked about as good as you'd think. A quarterback is going to look against this Georgia Bulldog defense in his first career start. Didn't get the job done. And now we're left picking up the pieces here for the Florida Gators wondering, where do we go next? I mean, we've we've pulled the AR-15 card and that didn't work. And I'm not sitting here saying you're going to fire Dan Mullen or anything, but, I mean, he, he's in a real, real tough spot, I think, sitting here at 4-4. Four and four. They got four games left on the schedule. But the last four for the Florida Gators, Shane, at South Carolina, Sanford, at Missouri, and Florida State. I mean, I hate to say it, but I feel like Florida's got to win all these games just to, you know, I don't even know if that's going to calm the fan base at all, but, Hell, ending the season on a four-game winning streak's got to do something. But, I mean, that's just basically the talk after this game is just the wide, wide gap between the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators under Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen. What do you make of all this speculation? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, a lot of fans out there, Mike, reminded me who I dubbed the quarterback whisperer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you, man, This uh, the, the scoreboard was deceiving, obviously, if you didn't watch this game. It was a tight game. It mm-hmm. was a real tight game for a long time. But, you know, that's what happens when you're going against the greatest defense to probably ever play collegiate football. You're going to take one mistake, and they're going to capitalize. And they did it in back-to-back drives. It was just – it was too much. It, it it was we were waiting like there was a crack in the dam, and then all of a sudden it just came through. Uh, some could argue. I'm just I'm just saying. Some could argue that forward motion. I mean, tell me, I'm a Tennessee fan. Yep. I mean, we got we lost some points during Ole Miss because of this <laughs> quote unquote forward motion. So 
part of me, you know, is wondering about that. But, you know, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of throwing him out there during Georgia. It's like, I get it. We've wanted to see him all year long, but why against arguably the best team in the country do you roll him out? You know, this is this should have been done earlier in the season and 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 gather. I would think, man, I'm just I I don't know. I'm dissecting this many ways. Obviously, uh, as if I if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm tickled pink because we went out there and we kicked ass and we showed the country how good this team is and and how good they're going to be. And then on the other side, if you're a Florida Gator fan, I think you've got to be a little upset that it took this long to get this guy in here, and now you roll him out against the best team in the country. And then you just rattle his confidence, man. I mean, why couldn't we do this two weeks ago, Mike? I think that's the question that Dan Bullen is uh, yet to answer, but one that I I think he has to uh, because now – now where does he turn? I mean, does he go back with them? Does he go back to Emory Jones? Yeah. I mean, there's – I don't know. This is a tough, tough spot. But let me ask you about the Georgia Bulldogs here, Shane, because I know their fan base hearing from them, they don't want to – they do not want this question asked. But I think, uh, you know, before the meltdown here, right before halftime, Florida was in this game and mm-hmm. due in large part to Stetson Bennett, I mean, having multiple turnovers in this game, he was – you know, he did – damage with his legs but and there was the he had a great touchdown right after the turnover that was that was part of the 24 point swing there but so let's give him credit for that but aside from that I don't know I just I still watching him play he just doesn't seem like the game breaker that Georgia is going to need eventually I think to beat an Alabama to beat whoever the hell they face in the playoff uh what are your thoughts on that can they win it all with Stetson Bennett because I think that's that's the real question well, it's hard to argue it at this point, just looking at their track record, looking at their resume. But, you know, they've not faced an Alabama. They've not faced uh, electrifying offense. So, I mean, they haven't played a team like Ole Miss. <laughs> That's why I even made the joke about Tennessee giving a run for the money because there's not been one game this year that the offense has needed to score. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that, Mike. There's not been one time – that this quarterback or this running back or this offensive scheme need to produce points because the defense has been that suffocating. But what happens, Mike, when you get into a game, you've got to score points. This is this is what I hated last year, and I think it caught, caught them earlier in the season, is what works they continue to, to wear out. That running game, getting Zeus, getting Cook, getting those guys involved, they're beasts. I get that. You've got a strong offensive line. But there's going to be a game that you're going to need to put up points through the air. Is this your guy? Or is the kid that you got, you convinced to come here to, to be your franchise uh, quarterback, is he the guy? It's just, I don't know. I, I think I think we're, we're caught up in the victories right now and we're not thinking ahead because just like Florida Gators, you know, we, we roll out Anthony Richardson when it's, when it's go time, when it's crunch time, you know, we can't do that with a quarterback. You can't just bench him and say he's not good enough, and then when you need him, bring him in. Uh, I just – I think that's that's just a recipe for something that Georgia has done in the past, and that's blow up in the SEC championship game or blow up in the, in the college football playoffs. You know, you can dominate all season long, but when it comes crunch time, is your offense going to be able to produce and keep up just in case there are some breaks in this defense? Yeah, and to your point, Shane, had Georgia 
if they scored just 14 points every game this season, they'd still be undefeated because that's how good <laughs> no one scored 14 on them. Uh, but, yeah. you know, let's give Stetson Bennett his credit, though. It's not like the – I'm not sitting here saying the offense is bad. I mean, they – I believe they're number one in the SEC in, in uh, yards per pass attempt. The running game has certainly found its ground. They've got some star tight ends. so They've got some receivers emerging. So, again, I'm not sitting here saying Stetson Bennett is going to cost you a championship, but I really do think that if you do get a healthy JT Daniels, Mm -hmm. You got all the pieces, brother, to be scoring about forty-five to absolutely, you know, fifty points per game, and you combine that with this hellacious defense. We're talking an all-time type team here, and I think you got that potential. And hell, you may not even need that to win a national championship, but you know that that, that fan base has been dying for it. And I don't think you play with fire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I this is it, Mike. This is the year. Look at this team. This is the year for Georgia Bulldogs. And you cannot play. I, I know this this game worked out great, but you play like this against a team like Alabama, you might lose it, man, because Alabama's going to find points. I understand it's a great defense, but they're going to Nick Saban is going to find points against you, and we got to be ready. And that's what I don't like about sometimes because Kirby's done this before, and we get to an SEC championship, and we're like, oh shit, we got to score points. Yeah, we can't rely on this defense anymore. Yeah, nine times out of ten, you're going to be playing a team that's less superior than you. And you could just go out there and you could just keep the script and run the ball and come away with a victory. But there's going to be a game or two every season that 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 needs a perfect game on both sides of the field. And that's what that's what I'm worried about. That's what you're worried about, I could tell. And I'm sure there's some Georgia fans out there that are worried about it. So, uh, but yeah, I'm just don't don't wait till you need him. It, mm -hmm. You got a quarterback, and, and again, nothing against Bennett, but he's not your guy. He never has been, or he would have started all year. Right, right. Now let me ask you one final thing on this one, Shane. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, after the game, Dan Mullen, I don't want to say he ran off the field, but he just you know went into the locker room, didn't stay out for. Uh, you know, the, to sing the school song and all that with the fans. Uh -huh. And they that left receiver Jordan Pouncey. He was the only Florida Gator out there by the end of it. And with all the bad mojo there in Gainesville right now, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I know he's the ultimate competitor and he's kind of a you know, bad sport at times, but I think, mm -hmm. I think that's a bad, bad look at, at the wrong time, don't you think? Yeah, I, a lot of I heard somebody was asking what kind of uh, outfits he gonna be wearing at the press <laughs> conference, you know. So I, I take it he wasn't getting dressed for anything. <laughs> this is this isn't a good look, man. And and I again, there was a couple things during this game that really frustrated me, Dan Mullen, because I am one of those guys that sits out here and talks about how good a coach Dan is. But when you're down twenty four nothing and you're kicking that shit field goal down there, mm -hmm. at, I mean. When, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, you're going to – if you make the field goal, guess what? You're still down three scores. Right. That was the most pathetic field goal I've ever seen in my life that was just so that they wouldn't get shut out, Mike. And that's – that. I don't want my coach thinking like that. Mm -hmm. That's not the Dan we thought, the shooter, you know, just this, just the fun and gun. We thought we were going to get some points scored here, and, and we're just trying not to get shut out. Ah, and then in the fourth quarter, I, I made a little joke that they're trying to establish a run. It's like, what? why are we doing this? What are we doing? Eight yards at a time, you're down more than three scores? Come on. 
So there, there was some, you do that, and then you do shit like this at the end of the game where you just walk out and you just act like you're not a Florida Gator, mm-hmm. you know. Fans take that serious, man. This people, people are Gator fans from the day they were born to the day they die. You know, Dan, you're just a part of that story. And if you don't, if you don't take it on and become part of that story, then you don't belong. And and that's that's what makes me believe he's not going to be here next year. I'm glad you said that, Shane, because I that totally slipped my mind. But you reminded me. It, that's just kind of the sad state of uh, the rivalry and, and that game in particular because in the fourth quarter, I mean, it was just, you know, tweet after tweet and the announcers mentioning it about this Florida scoring streak and we got to keep this alive. Mm-hmm. And it was it was like a game within the game of just, you know, at no point was anyone like, can Florida come back? Can they make us competitive? It was just like, can they get on the board? This is, you know, yeah. since 1980, whatever, they've scored in every game. And Kirby's over here yanking dudes off the field because they gave up a 10-yard completion. Because, by God, he wanted to be the one that snapped that streak. Mm-hmm. But that is a difference right now, Shane, where one team is just grasping at trying to keep this – you know, I, it's a cool step to be sure, but it means nothing. Whereas for right. Georgia, I mean, they're on the brink of potentially winning their first national championship in 40 years. Mm-hmm. And the coach is over here screaming, yelling, literally pulled a guy off the field and said, sit your ass down. You gave up a 10-yard <laughs> completion when we're trying mm-hmm. to shut this team out. I think that just goes to show the level of focus within that Georgia program. Whereas uh, Florida, we're just we're trying to put a field goal on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're – you're one year removed from beating these guys, you know, and, right. and you're coming out here just trying to put points on the board. No, you should be out there trying to win this damn thing. And that's just – I never – I felt like after the second half, it was just – I don't – this conservative play calling. I think that's what got him in Kentucky. That's what got him here, you know. It's just this isn't the day and I thought. Now, now let me ask you, Mike. We, we've seen both quarterbacks now mm-hmm. here at the Florida Gators. I mean, what, what do we do moving forward? Do we just – do we give up? Do we keep rotating this thing? I mean, do we change something? I mean, if you want to give fans hope of the future, you do that with a young quarterback, I think, right? Yeah, and, and, absolutely. And come out and just be aggressive and put some damn points on the board. Anthony Richardson has flashed the potential that he could be the SEC's best quarterback in a year or two, and that is how you give him hope. Hell, like I said, you got four games here. They're all winnable. You finish eight and four. Hopefully, win the bowl game nine and four. You bring because otherwise, I think if you don't play Richardson, he may leave. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and potentially you got three more years of him. So, yeah, I think right. I think you turn it over to AR fifteen. Let him let it be his show and just see what you got in him. Because at this point, that's about the the one thing you got to hang your hat on if you're Dan Mullen. Uh, no, I know we asked you about the quarterback, so you know all the time, but uh, just kind of talk about what kind of you know what in, went into your decision this week. Uh, you know, working JT, working stats, and what was ultimately the reason for the call to go with stats? Ultimately, the reason was continuity. Um, you know, stats has done a good job. Probably the next biggest thing was that JT had not really been in practice uh, as much as Stetson going back to last week. So um, we went with a guy that's that's been practicing the most and uh, been out there the most. Uh, JT felt good last week, uh, and then he took, you know, quite a few reps this week. Um, but at the end of the day, we went with a guy that we, we think had the most continuity and, and, and we thought we were playing well offensively. Stetson himself said he didn't feel like he played very well, and I don't know if he – was there any consideration of bringing JT in or could he if you needed him? Yeah, we felt like he could play if he needed to. Um, JT practiced well. He didn't feel like he had much pain. Um, 
during the week. He felt really good uh, during the week. But again, we went with the decision of continuity and the, you know, JT has not really been able to practice guys. I mean, he took a few reps last week and then he took more reps this week. And when you go three weeks without taking reps, I think it's really hard to do. And uh, I know you want to keep asking questions. I get it, guys. But at the end of the day, we went with continuity. We think we have two really good quarterbacks and I'm very pleased with both guys. I'm really pleased with the way JT handled things today. He was over there helping uh, Stetson the entire time, uh, making calls and communicating with the receivers. Kirby, can you discuss the uh, post-game celebration, like the emotion of you, the players, the fans, and why is this game so important to Georgia? Well, you put so much into the game, you know. It's like if you can't enjoy these moments, well, why do we do it? You know, if I can't embrace my family and hug them and love it and see the fans that stuck around for it, that's what it's all about to me. I mean, like, that's I had a coach a long time ago tell me, if you can't enjoy those moments, then then why are you in the business? And the players, you know, they work hard, guys. They, they, they practice so many times a week for this one game. And, you know, I want them to enjoy it. I want them to see the emotion of it. It, it doesn't matter to me that it's Florida. It matters to me that it's our team and, and they won. And uh, – you, you, you take that for granted sometimes. I think, you know, people look at it and say, oh, well, Georgia's going to win this. Georgia's going to win that. That's not, nothing is taken for granted. I mean, you can't. you, you got to go out and practice. And when you do well and you perform well, you should celebrate with a player so they can, they can see that side of you. And I'm certainly proud of our guys for handling the celebration. I thought we played with great discipline today. Kirby, you downplayed maybe last year's results earlier this week. Uh, Nolan made it pretty clear this was, that what happened last year was personal. Do you, did you get a real sense that those guys took a lot of pride in, in how that defense performed last year and weren't going to let it happen again? There's a lot of pride on the defense regardless. Like, yeah, we, we didn't perform well last year. We, we didn't – that wasn't all the players' fault. That was my fault. That was that was a lot of our coaches' fault. So, but it really wasn't about that this this year for our guys. I didn't feel like – I can't tell you what Nolan said. That's, that's Nolan's personal opinion. I, for me, it wasn't about that. It was a different team, different style of team. We're a different team. Um, I never – I just don't look at last year. I look at it as, what do we got to do this year to win? And let's go execute that and do it. Um, recruiting something you obviously value and you seem to do pretty well at it with all the talent you have. Where does that sort of mindset to always sort of be recruiting come from and why do you think you have so much success with it? Well, you have to. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting, okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting, and another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They, they got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting, and I believe you better always be recruiting, always be recruiting, because if you're not, somebody else is. We're not where we want to be. Uh, obviously, I'm. I'm not. I'm certainly not where we want to be uh, through the the at this point of the season. Our players certainly are not where we want to be at this point of the season. Uh, and it's a mindset right now that 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 we gotta we gotta go change and we gotta we gotta fix. And football's a 
Football is a great team sport, the ultimate team sport. And, um, you know, as, as, the, as the, the head coach, the, the mindset uh, of the team falls on me um, and where we're at. The attitude, the approach, and everything we take falls on me. And, and obviously I know two-thirds of the way through the season right now, uh, there's not. I'm certainly not pleased with where we are. Uh, I know our, our players are certainly not pleased with where we are. I know uh, the Gator Nation. I know is, is not pleased with where we are with the the standards and the expectations within this program. Uh, but in this final third of the season, that's on me to uh, to get this fixed. And the uh, the approach that I take and the mindset that we play with. Uh, uh, that's on me to get it fixed, and uh, you know, and I certainly plan on on doing that of of changing this uh, where we're at right now um, with us and um, and creating um, some some positive energy uh, for us and some confidence for us and the expectations to feed off of each other. Then uh, I'm gonna work and I'm gonna make sure I get that right. Like the, the trajectory of the program isn't going the right way. What would you say to them right now? Well, we're too, you know what, here, here, here's the deal. Um, as you start slipping, right, the rope's slipping right now. You know, you, you go in a little rope pull. And that's one thing. And, and, you know, I look at it throughout, you know, you look at it through multiple things. Uh, and it really pertains to everything. Uh, pertains to individual games. At times, I think we play really well. The rope slips and we kind of let a lot of it go. Uh, and against good teams, can't do that. You got to immediately offense, defense, the entire team. Everybody's got to grasp on. You know, I mean, you're, there's gonna be ebbs and flows in the course of each game. And the uh, as the rope slips through your hands, you can just let it either drop it. That ain't the answer. That's not gonna fix anything. Okay, you're gonna feel that burn, and you cannot squeeze that tight because of the burn, and that's not gonna fix anything. Or you just grab tight. You hold on, you dig your heels in, and you start pulling in the other direction. Um, you know, and so any negativity, any negativity, I'm sure, Nick, you could be, you can be positive, you can be negative, fans can be positive, they can be negative on, on how you want uh, with things. Uh, but a negative attitude or dropping the rope certainly doesn't fix anything. Grasping the rope does, and holding on tight does, and squeezing as it's burning does. And I will say something about me. I don't drop the rope. I'm not going to let you even rip it out of my hands. You could drag me around by my face if you want, but I ain't going to let it squeeze it and let it go. I'm not going to let any inch of that rope go, and I know our players won't either. God, what a defense, though. I mean, <laughs> I think this Georgia defense is something else, man. When, uh, this SEC championship is going to be the best one ever, man. This is a clash of the titans. I don't, I'm not predicting the future. Anything can happen from time A to time B, but <laughs> the current – trajectory of these two teams it's going to make out to be the it's the national championship mike in mm -hmm. my opinion not cincinnati <laughs> i'll say that man <laughs> oh god they had another barn burner did you see that oh yeah yeah we'll get to that in just a second here oh, okay. Shane, but was it valparaiso state or something <laughs>
just the one loss in conference play as well. So if they can, they got a huge matchup here, Texas A&M. They got a mm-hmm. huge matchup against Alabama. But, uh, you know, they still, they control their destiny. And I wrap that all into the Cincinnati talk, Shay, because Texas A&M and Auburn probably both going to be in the top 10 when the college football playoff rankings are revealed Tuesday evening. You would think, my God, this it's the only ranked matchup on the slate. Let's go college game day. And instead, we're going Cincinnati versus three and five Tulsa. Oh, my God. What, what are we doing here, Shane? Uh, you know, I, I haven't focused on Cincinnati. I told you last week, Cincinnati caught me off guard. I, I thought this was like a – you know, really, what it flashed back to was like an NIT tournament, like with basketball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, what What are we doing here? Is this some sort of kind of playoff or thing? And then it dawned on me. They literally have Cincinnati ranked number two in the country. And uh, and, and then you're watching them, and they're, they're god-awful. What, they beat Notre Dame? You know what I'm saying? It's the Notre Dame effect. That's what this thing is, Mike. They wanted Notre Dame in the in the college football playoff so bad, and since they can't be in, they got to pick the one team that beat them. And so I don't know. I don't want to get get off on that. The the fact of the matter is, is college game day is kind of a joke these days. And I always think that it should be at the best possible game, the best possible game, and we're going to get into it later this week. Is Auburn, Texas A&M, not even close. These two teams are. A million. I would love to see both of these teams individually play Cincinnati <laughs> with their backups. I'm telling you, that's just how uh, – it's just an absolute joke that College Game Day has chose these guys. Yeah, and speaking of the Auburn Tigers, Shane, I mean, what a tremendous coaching job Brian Harson and company Mike Bobo, Derek Mason have done this season on the Plains. Hell, it was five weeks ago. Bo Nix got benched, almost lost to Georgia State. <laughs> I mean, this is looking like it's going in the wrong direction. He fires a receiver's uh-huh. coach. They've been red hot since that game. I know they lost to Georgia, but, hell, every team that loses to Georgia, we, what do we do? We sit around and, and we turn around and say, well, you got beat by the best team in the country. There's no shame <laughs> yeah. in that. But, uh, you know, really credit Auburn for taking advantage. Every drive aside from one in the first half, Shane, ended in a touchdown. We're talking – 10 play drives, 11 play drives, 8 play drives, touchdown, touchdown, I believe one three and out, then touchdown, touchdown. And that's mm-hmm. all they really needed to win this football game. And the defense, while the offense stepped up in the first half, it was all the defense here in the second half playing a somewhat of a bend but don't break styles. Uh, right. You know, di- prevented Ole Miss from converting these fourth downs that they've been doing on everybody this season aside from Alabama. And that was the key to the game, Shane. The defense stepping up in the second half. Bo Nix, you know, I think he outplayed Matt Corral. And I I know Matt Matt Corral got hurt and he came back. That was a heroic performance. Man, I was was rooting for Matt Corral to come back and, you know, just fire off a couple touchdowns because that would have been his Heisman moment. And I'm not saying he's out of the running by any means, but – you know, this loss is certainly going to hurt that a little bit. But, uh, you know, I hate to see him go down. But, uh, you know, he got outdueled, I thought, by Bo Nixon company. And, and and this is kind of what I saw coming here, Shane. Just kind of the main difference in my pick of Auburn winning it was just Ole Miss having to play, you know, the run they just – they went on Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, now Auburn. I mean, that's just the mm-hmm. SEC grind. And, and that – That'll come to get you on the tail end of something like that. And and they just ran into the bus all there on the planes. And, and all of a sudden, Auburn is, 
you know, a team that I don't think is getting enough respect nationally as a team that, uh, you know, they still have college football playoff hopes, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, Mike. It's Halloween. You didn't even ask me what I was going as today. Oh, what, what are you going as, sir, Shane? I'm going as an Ole Miss defender. Yes, I'm going to wear a jersey, and I'm just going to randomly fall down at different parts <laughs> of the neighborhood here. <laughs> Grab the back of my leg. <laughs> no, uh, this this one, ironically, Mike, was injuries. I mean, if you think about it, mm-hmm. uh, we, we give Ole Miss a hard time with some of their tactics, but – you know, your quarterback, your stud got hurt part of the game. You got uh, your receiver hurt part of the game. So, I mean, there there's a lot of lot of things I think really snuck up to him in, in the injury bug being one of them. But I'll tell you, man, this Auburn, this Auburn offense, this Auburn defense, it, it was just hitting, and it was old school. That's one thing. You, you always think about Ole Miss – Teams like Tennessee, you know, they're running these these uh, teams like Mississippi State. I don't know if this style is going to stick around forever. I mean, we used to run the wing tee, you mm-hmm. know. We did wishbone back in the day. I They made forever – it's it's like for every time they create an offense, they create a defense to beat it. But Auburn went old school, man. Just run the damn ball and then pass off of it. And it worked. That's what I liked about it. You talked one thing about uh, uh, Bo Nix, but Tank, man, Tank put this damn team on his back last night, and you could not stop him. And then when when it got crunch time, when you got in the red zone, who did you rely on? The second best running back on your team, Bo Nix. So it was just – it was one after the other, and this team just did not give up. They weren't expected to win this thing. They came away the champs. I think this was a was a fantastic game start to finish. And you felt like Ole Miss was going to get back in this thing toward the tail end. But credit to, to Brian and the boys. They just toughed it out. And and now, look, man, they're 8-2, they're and two, man, or 6-2. and two. Nobody was talking about Auburn at the start of this season, and now we're compared. They, like you said, control their own destiny. There's a real chance, Mike, that these guys could be in an SEC championship. First year, Brian Harsin. Come on now. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of complaints, Shane, on the penalties and it being one-sided, but Ole Miss had seven. Auburn had six. I, I, there, there was a, a questionable call or two, but, hell, it's not like it was 10-0 to zero or 9-1 to one or something ungodly like that. So – I don't blame this one on the officiating either, but I just think the better team won. And that's not to say Ole Miss is not a really good team. I mean, hell, they they should probably be top 15, top 10 still based on everything they've proven yeah. this year. But just Auburn, you know, they again, the Plains, that's a tough, tough place to play, particularly at night. And, yeah, you, you yeah. said it, Tank Bigsby, let's give him credit, 140 rushing yards, over six yards per carry. I mean, he was the beast <laughs> we knew. And – you know, one thing, Shane, I know, uh, you know, South Carolina fans don't want to hear this. They gave, you know, Mike Bobo so much hell for leaving that program. But maybe look at uh, what is South Carolina's offense now, now that uh, Mike Bobo's yeah. gone. And then here we got Auburn. Bo Nix has been rejuvenated. We've got this ground game working that, like I said, a couple weeks ago, they look like trash against Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Yet, it, here in a short matter of time, I mean, they're slicing and dicing a top 10 team here. I mean, again, coach of the year, it's too early to give a final vote, but my number one vote has got to be for Brian Harson the way this team is playing and competing. And, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to go on the road and win at 
Texas A&M this week, but based on everything we've seen, I would not be stunned if that's what happens. Absolutely, man. Played great, played fantastic football. And, you know, did they make mistakes? Absolutely. And and the officiating, I mean, that's a theme of every game it feels like anymore. You right, know what I'm right. saying? I mean, you think this was bad. Wait till we start talking about the Kentucky game here in a minute. But I, the Ole Miss-Auburn game, you know, we didn't expect this to be one that we were highlighting, you know, in this in this part at the end of October. But I'm telling you, there's there's good on both sides. Lane Kiffin, what he's been able to do with these Ole Miss Rebels is impressive. You know, I don't believe, Mike, top to bottom, that this Ole Miss was a top ten roster by no means. Mm -hmm. But it became a top ten team by the way they play offense and the way that Matt Corral's been playing. And I guarantee, man, if he was at 100%, we may have had a different outcome here. You look on the other side of the ball, you got Auburn, where they're coming from. I mean, these these are two two teams that came from – just the bottom seller of the SEC, and now they are true contenders in the West. So I just – I don't know. I don't think either program is upset with this current situation. I mean, I know Ole Miss would like to have the victory, but uh, I wouldn't walk away thinking, damn, you know, we, we got screwed there. We just – you just had some injuries, man, and it caught up to you. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, that's pretty good in our favor. Um, I didn't know all the stats, but I I knew we converted some. Uh, We knew that they would go for it on fourth down. So that was part of our preparation. And I think those those fourth downs were in the red zone. Uh, I believe all of them were. And and we were able to make plays. And and that's that's points. You know, they're not going to take points um, in special teams. They're going to go for it and we can turn, we can get the ball back. You kind of think of that as a turnover. And, and then we had the one interception, too, in the end zone. That was a big play uh, by Simpson. So those were were critical moments in the game that we were able to win. Uh, we obviously had <clears throat> a couple in our favor on fourth down, which helped us extend drives. But, you know, those are things that are going to happen in a game like this when you're when you're playing against a good team that score a lot of points. Uh, that's their mentality, and, and we need to have that same same mindset going in this game to stop him and also convert some of our fourth downs. Yeah, well, I thought I thought Tank played hard tonight. He ran hard. Um, you know, he was able to get get loose on a few runs, which were big plays for us. Um, but even go back to the Georgia game, and there was there was one run in there. We kind of got stuffed, and he's kept moving his feet and bounced it for a touchdown. And so, like like everybody else, I think he's he's improving. Uh, the old line did a good job in this game. Tight ends did a good job in this game. So, like, it's it's a combination of everybody making sure that that they're executing their assignment and, and tanks, you know, going to go out there and make plays. And, and he was running physical tonight, so that was good. Uh, Jarquez made some runs tonight. Sean came in and, and ran really well in some critical moments. So there was uh, overall, I think, just in our run game, I thought we had a good balance, good mix, and Tank was a big part of that. Uh, and certainly had a great game tonight. You can put schemes together, but guys have to execute them. And, and you know, is your O line going to be able to do that? Can your tight ends make those plays? Is your wide receivers going to be able to go out there and execute uh, whatever concepts we come up with? Can your tailbacks make it happen? So, you know, it's a lot to do with our players as well. And I think 
that's what really good coaches do. They, they look at the personnel, and that's something that we've had to do as we learn this team early in the season. You know, where do we put the guys? What's the best fit? What's the best routes? What are the best things that, that we can do as a staff to put these guys in a, a situation they can be successful? And Coach Bobo has done a good job of that. Um, and I've been impressed. Like he's, yeah, he's he's in a he's in a, a good groove. I thought he called a really good game tonight. Um, kept Ole Miss off balance, made big plays when we needed to, and uh, utilized his personnel. I mean, I think we had ten different guys touch the ball. So, you know, to me, that's that's goes back to just his preparation um, with the staff, and then carrying that over onto the field and practice, and then executing the game. You brought up the red zone, two touchdowns and eight trips. Just was it all numbers crunch with you guys not having the personnel you normally do, or was Auburn doing something that kind of gave you guys fits over there? No, I mean they they did a good job, but it wasn't any special new defense or anything. Um, when you get in the red zone, things tighten down. So if you're not running the ball well, you know you're going to have tight windows, and guys, you got to make good throws and got to make big plays, and um, you know. We didn't do that, and you know, obviously, sit here and say you could have kicked field goals, and you know, but um, you know, we we made a lot of those, converted more than anybody in the country, and when it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know. But we could have kicked those field goals and those, and still lost too. So, yeah, Lane, when uh, when Matt came back, he you know, actually ran on the field for a moment there, and then you, you took a timeout. Um, at, at what point did you realize? You know, he was he was back on the sideline and available to, to go back in the game. He kind of take you through that. Yeah, I thought the way he came off that it was really bad, you know, like broken. And so I kind of had already gone to that place. So I was kind of surprised that he had come back, especially to come back and have some type of movement skill, um, which was awesome because, you know, I was in the tank that anytime something like that happens, you say, okay, well, we should have had a better play. On the first down, where he got, you know, hit and injured when they were taking a shot. So it was obviously good to have him back there. And the play before had been running down with the play clock and stuff, so we had to use a timeout. Matt, what was the injury, and just what allowed you to kind of come back so quick? Uh, it was the same thing of what happened in the Tennessee game. Uh, I felt like it was, I couldn't feel it, my ankle. Uh, heard a pop, uh, but it was just. Um, I don't honest to God, I don't know what it was. It's just couldn't feel it for that like five minutes. Got it back and then got an X-ray. I told him if nothing was broken, I'm going back in, and um, that was it. And, I mean, no excuses for not executing, you know, because if I wasn't able to execute, I would have not been back in. So I mean, I'm expected to make those plays that I missed, and the ones I usually make, I didn't, and you know, that's on me. All right, Shane, well, you teased it there. Kentucky falls again for the second time this season, back-to-back weeks here. Well, not back-to-back. They're coming off a bye. But Mississippi State defends the home turf here, wins 31-17. to And this was a game largely controlled by Mississippi State. Josh mm-hmm. Ali, his first game back from injury for Kentucky, had the punt return. You take that off the board. Kentucky only scored 10 points on offense. And as simple as it is to say, I mean, this came down to turnovers, Shane. Four turnovers for Kentucky, no turnovers for Mississippi State. And Will Levis threw three interceptions. And Will Rogers, my goodness, Shane, 36 (laughs) of 39, 
91% completion percentage here, 344 yards of touchdown. And how about this Mississippi State three rushing touchdowns? I didn't. I don't know if they've had that all season, Shane. So I mean, that, as soon as we jumped on them Kentucky bandwagon, they cur- I guess we cursed them is probably what really happened here. But man, this was uh, one of the 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 lesser ranked SEC West teams playing one of the top ranked SEC East teams, and Mississippi State comes away with a big big win. And one more stat for you, Shane: wins versus. AP top 25 teams the last two years. Mm-hmm. Alabama leads the way with eight. Georgia second with six. No surprise there. Third is Mississippi State, Mike Leach. They've got three of these bad boys. So, man, what a coaching job by Mike Leach and uh, his staff there. Uh, the de- Let's give Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator, he did a hell of a job here uh, making Will Levis try to beat him. And, and, hell, he certainly couldn't do it on Saturday night, could he? Mike, I I mean, thirty six of thirty nine. Is that is that some sort of record? <laughs> is there is there an efficiency record out there? Because I think Mr. Rogers just nailed it. And and, and it is you look at a stat line like that, and that wasn't that wasn't what won this game. What won this game is like you said was the defense mm-hmm. putting. I mean, it just felt like they had an answer for everything that Mark and them put out there, and and, and it caught up. It, I don't want to say that this. I don't want to say Mississippi State was the better team here, but you walk away with four turnovers, you're probably going to lose that game, Mike. And they lost it by two scores. So there was plenty of chances, even on the tail end of this thing, for Kentucky to get back in it. But, again, they did exactly what we told you we didn't want, and that was rely on the arm of Will Levis. And it felt like when we – when, when Kentucky has to rely on the quarterback, it feels like this isn't the same Kentucky team. When they can lean on that running game and ground and pound and hopefully not fumble the damn football, you know, it feels like Kentucky can beat just about anybody. But once they get one-dimensional, it, it's just – the problem is, Mike, outside of Robinson, they've got no other weapons out there. Right, and it's kind of, you know, something we hit on all week, Shane, that was concerning – to both of us, we didn't we didn't even listen to our own advice. But uh, you know, Kentucky's defense had not faced an opponent that was gonna, you know, pass over and over on them, and th- and they yeah. failed that test miserably. Like you said, with uh, I heard a stat. Of course, Will Rogers th- only th- well, only thirty nine attempts. Had he gotten a forty one more, he would have shattered the NCAA record for completions with forty attempts. So. I mean, that just gives you an indication. I mean, they were they were basically using him as their short running game, dinking and dunking all over the field. Kentucky had no answers for it, and now they've got to turn right around and face a Tennessee Josh Heupel offense that it's not the air raid, it's not the exact same thing, but they're going to use a lot of the same stuff that, that they have on tape here. And let me ask you this, Shane, because, you know, we were – me particularly, I was driving the bus here on Kentucky's new offense and the offensive coordinator right. and, and the quarterback, Will Levis. But now that we got tape on them, I'm not saying they got exposed because, you know, had they not – you know, a lot of these interceptions were tips and, and things of that nature. But yeah. Yeah. had they not had four to- turnovers, they probably win this game. But, hell, we could say that about any game with there's multiple turnovers. <laughs> so we got to give Mississippi State credit for forcing those. But uh, any concern, Shane, that now that we've got – what is it, eight games of tape on Kentucky that uh, their offense maybe has been figured out a little bit here. And and once again, I mean, Chris Rodriguez, he may be 
one of the best running backs in the country, but he cannot hold on to the damn ball. He he dropped about two or three in this game and lost one of them. Yeah. Uh, that is a real, real issue that uh, at this point I don't think is going to get solved by by Kentucky after you know two thirds of the season already being being played. Right, but you you got to have them. Rodriguez and Smoke is Kentucky football, right. and if you can't get those boys going, then you're not going to win the game. Uh, it, it's just. The proof's out there, like you said. There's, there's no hiding what Kentucky is anymore. That We've got eight games of tape here, and we know that if we can load up a box and we can make Will try to win this thing, he's only got one or two people he can throw it to. Right. So I, I think that's the problem here is, yes, they they want to be different, but you we've got to have somebody else step up. Somebody, some other playmaker has got to step up. Uh, because you could see once once the game's not decided by Rodriguez, then uh, then we don't know what the end result's going to be. But I can tell you right now, Mike, it's typically not pretty. So, yeah, I'm with you here. I, I think I think a little bit of exposure. I think that's a good word for it um, because they've not had to do it. You know, going in, you look at the Florida game; they're able to keep it kind of low key. Uh, this is the one game that they're really trying to get back into this thing. Mm-hmm. And it seems like when that happens, Kentucky just – they're just not ready there. They're just not there yet. Right. And their loss, again, clinched the SEC East for Georgia. But, hey, maybe the best way for me to ask you that, we'll have plenty of time to break down the Kentucky-Tennessee game. But as a Tennessee homer, Shane, what would scare you more if Kentucky said, by God, we're going to run it 50 times? Or mm-hmm. if they said – we're going to have Will Levis try to beat you by, by throwing it 35, 40 times. I think what scares me the most about this game, Mike, is it's a little deceiving. Like you said, if you watch some of these turnovers, they were they – were, some of them were just amazing defensive plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys at the right place at the right time. And if you take two of those turnovers off the board, who knows what this result would have been. So I think the biggest concern for me is just – thinking, oh, well, Mississippi State just kicked Kentucky's ass. We're going to go out there and do the same thing. Not so fast, my friend. This is still a good ball club. This is a team that just made a few mistakes last night. And I think that that exposure is exactly what Will Levis needed. That's film that they know we have. That's film that they have that they can make him a better quarterback and grow from. So that's my biggest concern. As a Tennessee fan, you can never count any quarterback out because you know the next week he's going to come up and he's going to have damn Dan Marino over there. So I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not, not trying to get the cart in front of the horse. This is going to be a hell of a game. I am glad I got my bourbon bets in early. But uh, <laughs> Kentucky, like I said, just moments, just a couple of plays, a couple of inches, man. I mean, that's what literally this game came down to. It was a couple of inches mm-hmm. fingertips, and uh, and it turned into a victory for Mississippi State. All right, final game. I mean, because these are red, these are red zone turnovers, Mike. Yeah. I mean that that doesn't get any worse. So, mm-hmm. all right, sorry. Uh, Will Rogers finished tonight with a ninety-two percent completion percentage. What was your opinion on his performance? Uh, I didn't realize it was ninety-two percent till we got back in the locker room, but. Uh, I thought he played well. I thought I thought he really uh, did a good job seeing the field. I thought he did a good job uh, checking and <clears throat> on the plays that uh, you know that he is in a position to check. Uh, <coughs> and then we had kind of a slow start, but I thought we picked it up. And I thought he did a good job elevating that. Also, our defense getting turnovers and stops I thought was key. How did you feel those interceptions kind of helped with the momentum of the game? Oh, I think it was huge. I think it was really huge. Uh, you know, Kentucky's kind of a 
team that's about control, you know, uh, <clears throat> controlling on offense and hogging the clock and then controlling on defense. Uh, <clears throat> nothing bad happens. You have to execute a lot of plays to move the ball against them. And, um, <clears throat> and that's, you know, and they, that's why they're where they're at is because they're, they're so good at controlling things. And, uh, you know, that uh, broke the control suddenly, which was important to us because, you know, we're a younger uh, explosive team. But, you know, uh, maintaining control is something that's uh, has been tricky for us a little, <clears throat> a little bit. And that just that let us get it back. Steve <laughs> talked about the Kentucky game last year. That was Will Rogers' first game. I mean, obviously you've seen him grow tremendously from that ball game. Just how much have you seen him grow from that point, the first game he's played in, to tonight whenever he breaks the SEC record for a completion percentage over 30-plus attempts? Oh, he did, huh? Yeah. Well, good. Um, yeah, try to get as many of those as we can. Um, I guess start with Will. With with him, what was, what was up tonight? It just seemed like he never was really on. Um, yeah, know, he, he was definitely not comfortable. I think they, you know, do a nice job of mixing some things up. I thought he went back to uh, pressing, rushing uh, some things, uh, forcing, forcing the issue right from early in the game. So, uh, you know, it's not just him. We didn't play very good anywhere. Yeah. Mark, did it surprise you? The lack of physicalness by your defense, it seemed like they, the Mississippi State ran through a lot of tackles or just ran by your guys an awful lot tonight. Yeah, it, it did. Uh, very frustrating. And uh, I just said that to the team that, uh, you know, that's um, very uncharacteristic and that's not going to happen. We may lose, uh, you know, we may get beat, but uh, I didn't like the intensity that we played with, the physicality that we played with. I felt like we were pushed around, and uh, that's not a good feeling. Mark, uh, Chris Rodriguez with the fumbles, is he dealing with anything physically, or do you think it just gotten into his head at this point? Uh, he was dealing with something this week, um, but no excuses. Um, you know, I think uh, with the fumble, there was a combination of things on that play. We got blown up at tackle, uh, you know, pressure in the backfield, the – Handoff looked a little high, but uh, not very good. Mark, as you said, it's been a while since you've had a game like this. How do you want this particular team to react to that, react to this this coming week? Do you want them to be angry? Do you want them to put their heads down and just go back to work? How do you want it? What do you want to see this week? Well, I mean, we have to address it. You know, we just did. I mean, that's not a good feeling, and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have a football team like this, and I don't think these guys want to play that way. Um, you know, that's not who we're going to be. That's not going to be our identity. And, uh, you know, we'll get back to work and get it fixed and make sure we get the right guys out on the field that uh, want to continue to play like we play. Final game to break down here. Shane Missouri goes on the road, snaps their losing streak by beating Vanderbilt 37 mm. to 28. And this was a game shade early on. It was playing out just like we thought. This will be a blowout city. Missouri jumps quickly yep. out to a 10-0 lead. And then Connor Basilak throws a bad interception in the red zone. And the middle of the game was largely dominated by the Vanderbilt because that Missouri defense showed up that we that we all know and fear here. They were getting run <laughs> all over by Mike Wright. 
and the Vanderbilt Commodores. They made it a game, but man, it's just it's tough to watch Vanderbilt right now, Shane, because in my mind they're getting coached right. They're trying. They're they're trying yeah. with effort, but there's mental mistakes. There's errors here or there. And what was devastating? They had all the momentum, and then they gave up a hail mary right before. <laughs> Uh, halftime, like literally the, the final play here, Missouri scores a touchdown. That gave them momentum here in the second half, and Missouri closed it out thanks to one of the most outstanding players in the country, Tyler Beatty. What'd you call him? A poor man's Reggie Bush, something like that? I mean, <laughs> poor poor man Heisman. You yeah, know? <laughs> I mean, literally, literally, if he was on a better team, he'd be getting some Heisman love. He is that good. Leading right. rusher, leading receiver. He's doing it all. Harrison Mevis as well. Let's give him credit. He should be an All-American. He's probably not going to get consideration because Missouri's having such a down year, but he deserves it. He is one hell of a kicker. And uh, unfortunately, Connor Bazelak got hurt. I don't know the severity of it at this point, but uh, Tyler Macon came in and, and scored a touchdown that put this game away. So it may be time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't think Connor Bazelak's really what's killing you. It's obviously the defense, but – Man, yeah. I feel bad, like I said, for Vanderbilt because they're they're so close in a lot of these games, but these these issues, mistakes, you could play well for nine snaps in a row and then have one terrible possession, one terrible play, and they they just don't have the talent in the roster to come back from some of these mistakes they're making. And I'm I'm not giving up on Clark Lee. They've clearly got a long, long way to go. But uh, I like the fight that these Commodores have, but they just ain't there yet. You know what? <laughs> Well, they're they're there if they want to screw up my lock of the week, Mike. I'll tell you that. I mean, <laughs> I was upset about this game. I mean, it was a hell of a game. I'm I once the Georgia Florida game kind of got out of it, man. I found myself drifting over to this thing and watching it. It was very competitive. Uh, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. Vanderbilt, scrappy bunch of boys, and it seems like we say that every week. Mm-hmm. Now it's not resulting in victories. You know, they're two and seven for a reason, but you know, it's not because of heart. And I'm going to tell you, and I think a lot of that has to do with Coach Lee. If you think about it, Mike, here's a guy that is at his alma mater. He is he. This is his dream job. A lot of people don't have a dream job at Vanderbilt, but Coach Lee is there, and I think that bleeds into these kids when they see their coach giving their all every single week. I think it's why we get these types of games like we had against uh, Missouri, like we've had against South Carolina. Like they just they they. If your coach wants to be there, they want to be there, and they want to show their coach that they belong in the SEC. You know, we, we talked earlier, damn Dan Mullen just walking in the locker room. You know, I think when you see coaches do stuff like that, man, these are impressionable youth. They are going to mimic what their leader is doing, and if the coach doesn't care, they're going to stop caring, and then you're going to see blowouts. The reason we don't see blowouts with Vanderbilt is because there is a lot of heart on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were in it, man. There was there was opportunities in this game that they could have beat Mizzou, and I'm not saying that that these teams should be in the same ballpark right now because Missouri is loaded. Especially if you think about the running back, you you kidding? There's a lot of NFL franchises licking their chop right now, waiting to draft this kid because he can do it all, and he showed again over what do he have over 300 yards in this damn thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put the team on his back. You got an athlete like that, and you can just barely scrape away with a nine-point victory? Come on, Mike. 
that's what drove me nuts is at the end of this game, you didn't see it, but Eli's jumping around and he's tickled pink and he's hugging people. And I'm like, dude, you just – you barely beat Vanderbilt by nine points. What the hell are you so excited about? This should have been a blowout on both sides of the field. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Vanderbilt. I'm just saying Mizzou deserves better. And there's no reason on – you can't – it definitely wasn't home field advantage, Mike. There was just friends and families at this right. one. I heard a tweet say, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? There is no reason that Mizzou shouldn't have had 20, 30 points on this team by half, mm-hmm. but they let them stick around and almost almost bit them. Yeah, well, I get what you're saying, but I think at the same time, I mean, this is just like got to snap that losing streak, you know, and, and you, any, way, yeah. any way possible. Hell, even if it was a one point and a nine overtime affair like we saw last week in that ugly game against uh, Penn State and Illinois, any win's a good win for Missouri right now to, you know, to get that positive momentum building back. I hear what you're saying. They should have blown this team out, didn't get it done. But, uh, hey, I just continue to shake my head, Shane, that uh, while Vanderbilt is far, far from a team that can compete in the SEC, how wild is it, Shane, that they've got two quarterbacks? I know their numbers are not, are not fantastic. Mike Wright did score three touchdowns. He had a big rushing day, 152 rushing, 122 passing. But, it's wild to me that Vanderbilt's got two good quarterbacks, but they don't got much else around them. You know what I mean? I mean, I know Cam Johnson <laughs> had a big day here, but there, there's yeah. many, many SEC teams and many teams across the country that would be happy with one of Vanderbilt's quarterbacks. But it's just so bizarre that they got two solid quarterbacks, yet they don't got a team around them. And I, I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, I mean, similar to Kentucky, they just need he they need more weapons to step up on the outside. Mm-hmm. But like I will tell you, man, I just I, I love the heart of this defense, Vanderbilt especially. Uh, it, it's just man, these guys they they really did leave it all out there, and they they wanted a victory for their fans, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't get it, and that's what you know fell short. That, those are always the toughest, man. You know, when you find a team like this, you really want you really want to come away. You need to sit co- close. Coach Lee wants a signature victory. This would have been a good one for mm-hmm. him. Hey, Eli, can, can you say what happened to Connor, if, if you even know at this point? And at what point did Tyler become your choice to replace him should something like that happen? Um, yeah, I don't know exactly. It looked like a uh, soft tissue injury and, and still evaluating that, but, but I think it's a soft tissue injury. Um, it was really situational. We've been practicing Mako and some – some four minute offense stuff. And uh, on that down and distance, we were just, you know, I didn't, didn't want to try to uh, force the ball, was trying just to make it into a manageable field goal range. Uh, and that was a play that, that uh, Mako had, had been practicing and, and executed well. So that's what we went with. Um, but, but, you know, Brady's right there too. Uh, uh, if it had been a different situation, uh, probably would have went with Brady, but, but that was a situation we knew Mako was, was ready to execute. And then, uh, at the end of the game right there, felt like we were going to need some quarterback runs uh, potentially. And, and, and uh, you know, for him to pull it on that last zone read for a touchdown was pretty cool. Hey, um, I'm just wondering, uh, talking about Tyler, uh, Tyler Bailey a little bit there. He went for 294 yards today. Um, just are you running out of superlatives for this guy or what's, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I guess he did go 294. I mean, he's a great player. I've been saying it for a long time. He's probably the best player that nobody's talking about. Um, you know, he's really the engine that drives us. And, uh, you know, he's just got a big heart. 
and uh, he's a competitor and showed it tonight. Eli, you've obviously been willing to feed Tyler plenty of carries all season, but never quite to this extent. Is it going into the game, did you expect him to, to have that type of a workload, or was it something where you just said, you know what, it's working, let's stick with it? We're just trying to win the game. He wants to win. I want to win. This team wants to win. And we're just trying to do whatever it takes to win this game. And, and uh, that's what it took. Hi, Clark. Um, from your vantage point, what um, – what happened there fell apart there at the end of the first half and uh, why, what was behind the decision to fake the field goal? Well, the, the fake was, um, it was a long fourth down that was right on the kind of the outside of right on the fringe of where we would have, where our range is. And so um, with the conditions and, you know, taking that into consideration, we had a fake that we wanted to run against them on, on the left hash and we had the look we wanted. And so um, that's what was the, the reason for that. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work. We got the ball back to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we, we then in terms of the two minute drive, obviously that's going to be about execution. We did a nice job getting them to the last play. And, uh, you know, we had the receiver you know, bracket in the end zone, we have to have somebody go up and, and play the ball, knock it down. And um, their guy was able to get up and grab it at the highest point. And, you know, it was, it was a disappointing uh, swing that, uh, um, you know, ultimately we had the chance in the second half to, to a race. So um, don't want to linger too long on it. All right, Shane. Last thing before we hop off the line here, opening lines. We've mm -hmm. got some really, really good games here in the SEC for Week 10 action. And we'll start. There's only one non-conference game, but it's a hell of a non-conference, Shane, because old Hugh Freeze and Liberty <laughs> returning to Oxford to play the Ole Miss Rebels. What's your guess for the spread for this one? Oh, my mind went somewhere else. Um, <laughs> uh, give me, uh, give me Ole, Ole Miss, uh, golly, 22. Ole Miss favored by nine and a half. And, what? And I think some of that's got to be because Matt Corral's kind of banged up. You know what? Oh, okay. Yeah, get your money in on that one early. How about this one, Shane? Florida at South Carolina. What's your prediction for that one? Mm, Florida 13. Florida minus 19. How about that? Oh, okay. All right, all right. Bounce back game, trap game maybe. Huh. How about this? Missouri at Georgia. Mizzou at Georgia. Uh, Give me Georgia minus 27. Way off, Shane. Georgia minus 39. Golly, 40 <laughs> points, man. Golly, can this offense score 40? Have they done? Yeah, they've done that before. Yeah. Maybe they think the defense is going to score about 30 here. <laughs> How about this one, Shane? LSU at Alabama. LSU at Alabama. Uh, give me Bama minus 17 and a half. 29, Crimson Tide. Jeez, Louise, I am all over the place here today. These next three very close here. Mississippi State, Red Hot. At Arkansas. Oh, that's good. Uh, at Arkansas, mm -hmm. that's a that's a pick 'em. That's a pick 'em. They line. got an Arkansas minus five. Oh, 
okay. All right. Now here, the game of the week, Auburn at Texas A&M. What do you got for that? Hmm. I hate to pick against Auburn, but it's at Texas A&M. They're playing red hot too. So give me Texas A&M minus six. Close. A&M minus five. Okay. And then I saved All the right. best for the last for you, Shane, in this bourbon bet, Tennessee <laughs> at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Who do you got favored in this one? Uh, I'm going to say Tennessee minus 19 and a half. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I say they're still going to give Kentucky some love. So, uh, Kentucky, uh, let's go Kentucky minus three. Almost nailed it, Shane. Kentucky minus four. And up there with that home field advantage, they've been they have not mm-hmm. lost a game yet at home. So that is going to be one hell of a matchup, as well as several of these, I think, really are. So cannot wait yeah. for this. This is going to be one of the best weekends a, of the SEC so far. Absolutely. Full slate, man. Back to the – I mean, don't get me wrong. Four games are cool because you could kind of focus on them, but I'm, I'm ready for a little bit more SEC action. A little, I, I hate when there's just – one game on, and it's like, damn, it sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, when there's no games on, that's why I'm watching Cincinnati. Oh, I mean, no, I sit, I'm, sitting there, I'm sitting there at 12 just so everybody could agree that Cincinnati should not be ranked in the top 25. So, oh, man. I found myself watching, uh, what was it, the Iowa game, and I was like, golly, these guys keep fumbling on the goal line. They're going to, you know, it's just like – you don't appreciate SEC football as much until you're watching some of these other conferences <laughs> play football. And there's no – I will tell you, Mike, the one thing that's driving me nuts, I got to mention mm-hmm. it, is the East Michigan thing, you know. No Dan Wolken. No no, no <laughs> Ford out here. Where's no, the issue in the statement? I think, I think one of the funniest tweets was there was that car getting knocked over and the windshield busted. They said Tennessee got fined $100,000. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. Well, I got to get out of here, man. I got to take this kiddo trick-or-treat. All right, so I appreciate you, Shane, for hopping on the line. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you. I hope uh, this will be a day late, but I hope you had a great Halloween. I hope you have a great Halloween. Stay safe out there, Shane. Don't eat too much candy. Catch you on the next one. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Go Vols.